0: These young people, if they only have the opportunity to get music in the schools and get private lessons, it's going to enrich their lives and give them a lifetime love of music. And that's what I hope to do with the 50 famous composers for kids of all ages.
1: Today's guest is a local violist, conductor, composer, educator, published author, and you can hear her perform in the Valley later this month. Dr. Carolyn Brough, thank you for joining us on Heart of the Arts today. Thank you so much for having me here, Melissa, and thank you to Bach. Uh, I'm excited to have you on the show for many reasons. You've made such a big impact in the classical community here in the Valley and beyond. Your book recently won an award in the category of arts and history, and we'll get into that in just a bit. I do want our audience to know that you received your doctorate from Arizona State University and you conduct with the Four Seasons Orchestra in Scottsdale, which was nominated for a couple of Grammy Awards back in 2000. And you're the principal violist with the Scottsdale Philharmonic. I'd like to know when your musical interests began and what sparked the interest.
0: My musical interest started very, very young at about three years of age, uh, just listening to the radio and dancing to the music. Uh, I wanted to learn how to play the violin at about the age of eight. I learned a little bit of piano at seven. And uh, later on at uh, 10, I started with the viola, which is my lifelong love.
1: So you really kind of have to dive into it all, the work and the challenges as an independent musician. When did you know that it was what you wanted to do? Were there any doubts on about embarking on this career?
0: I knew at the age of 13 that I wanted to become a professional musician. I was taking um, viola lessons with a um, European concert violinist. And uh, he just inspired me to make it a lifelong career.
1: And you've been working locally here with the Four Seasons Orchestra since the 90s. Is that correct?
0: Yes. Um, I started the Four Seasons Orchestra and the Four Seasons String Quartet in 1991. So we are celebrating our 31st anniversary this
1: year. Wow, congratulations. I know you have some performances coming up later this month that we'll get to in just a bit, but I've heard you talk about the inspiration of Vivaldi and the Four Seasons Orchestra. How did that come about since you're the founder?
0: Well, I do have a great love of Antonio Vivaldi, who was a brilliant violinist and composer. And uh, a lot of groups were uh, looking at Mozart and Johann Sebastian Bach. And I I thought it would be nice to work with uh, Antonio Vivaldi's music. We have performed all four of his uh, Four Seasons Concertos. And and other um, music by Vivaldi, but we do a a variety of um, classical and contemporary music, Baroque music over the years.
1: What about his life and teaching made you want to identify yourself with part of Vivaldi's legacy? Uh, Antonio Vivaldi uh, taught
0: at an orphanage for girls in Venice. And his orchestra, all-female orchestra, uh, became legendary and all over Europe. Uh, kings and nobles and, and queens and other composers would come to hear Vivaldi's girls, and they described them as heavenly angels. So I was very inspired that uh, This all-female orchestra had become the rage of Europe at the time. Now, I I must say here that the Four Seasons Orchestra of Scottsdale has both uh, male and female professional musicians
1: uh, as members. Okay, and... As a part of the organization, you've spent a lot of time conducting. That seems like it's been a highlight throughout your career. Can you talk about some of the famous conductors you've worked with? You've attended sessions with Leonard Bernstein, Herbert Blomstedt, and Seiji Azawa, I believe. What's one experience that stuck out to you or changed your trajectory in terms of teaching or leading an ensemble? Um,
0: I started conducting at Chapman University as part of my bachelor's degree. I was working with um, Professor John Koschak, who had studied at the Mozartium of Salzburg in Austria. Um, He was the one who taught me how to conduct initially. I worked with um, Dr. Michael Zirat, who conducted on five continents and had won the Dimitri Metropolis Award. Then I went to a master class with Herbert uh, Blumstedt in the early 80s and then, um, the LA. Philharmonic Conducting Institute, I was um, there when conducting. Uh, students were uh, getting uh, education by several conductors, including Leonard Bernstein. It was amazing. I think that was 1981 when I worked with Leonard Bernstein. And then in later on, I went to Tanglewood as part of the conducting associates. And uh, there was a master class with Seiji Ozawa. Wow. And it was really exciting to see Seiji Ozawa conducting in person. And in the past, I had only seen his upper body and conducting arm, but then we were able to see his feet. And I said to the other conductors, wow, he's doing uh, Tai Chi on the podium. And they said, yes, we're all getting videos trying to figure out what Tai Chi is. But I had already studied Tai Chi in uh, 1984. And I got the idea of the energy bow on the viola and the violin, kind of the energy coming from your center. And then I decided that could be transferred to the baton. And you you project all that positive energy through your baton. And so I thought I had invented Tai Chi conducting. Uh, Seiji Ozawa was way ahead of me.
1: It's really cool that you studied Tai Chi already, and how maybe you were further ahead of yourself than your mind could keep up with, almost.
0: Well, you think about cloud hands, and uh, you could see it in Seiji Ozawa's conducting the crane and the tiger, and you could just, he would just pounce on, on, on the, the musicians, he'd be really quiet with his hands, and then suddenly pounce like
1: a lion. And are those positions that you learn in Tai Chi? I've never done Tai Chi.
0: They have, like, I think 64 moves, different uh, moves with your hands and your feet, and uh, some of them are very, very slow. I think those are moves in the uh, Tai Chi world. So was that whole experience life-changing for you? It helped me to become centered and to project uh, the energy of the music out to the audience. And that's what you want to do is that you want to communicate to the musicians, first of all, and communicate to the audience the, the type of energy that the composer was trying to relay to the listener.
1: I'm wondering as a conductor and educator, if those questions ever come up, what is the conductor doing? Do you find yourself having to go into depth explaining to new students or new listeners?
0: Uh, when you're conducting um, students, you probably need more uh, instruction about what's going on and what's expected of them. With the professionals, uh, you do it all with the baton. And Herbert Blumstead would not allow any of the conducting uh, associates to speak to the orchestra. He said it; everything had to come from the baton, and so that's how we learned to communicate. It's kind of a nonverbal communication. It's all about energy, passion, inspiration, and communication to the audience and the listener.
1: As an accomplished conductor and advocate for women in the arts, were there any challenges you faced over the last couple of decades that aren't really challenges for you or other musicians in today's world?
0: Well, there was some uh, discrimination initially about women conductors way back in the 70s, and mostly uh, they just weren't used to a woman conductor, and now there are many, many more uh, women conductors out there, and uh, there are women conductors in the schools who are you know, then the, the students just grow up that way. Uh, it's a new world. The, the 70s, um, I saw some things with other women conductors that were a little bit shocking. And um, now I think that uh, people are more at peace with uh, equity that way.
1: It seems like it doesn't, It doesn't seem to have ever stood in your way when it came to building orchestras and producing.
0: It's always a challenge to get opportunities to conduct and guest conduct. And uh, I've mostly focused on the Four Seasons Orchestra. I've conducted at community colleges and uh, honor orchestras. And I was asked by Chapman University uh, around 2003 to become their a uh, professor of conducting when John Koshak um, retired. And I just felt that the uh, flying back and forth would be a bit much with, since I have a family here in Arizona. So I, I chose my family, and it was very difficult to let go of becoming a professor of conducting.
1: Well, you've made big impacts here in regards to music and education, and I wanted to ask about your new book now, 50 Famous Composers for Kids of All Ages. Is that just for kids or anyone at any age? My book was uh, designed to be a
0: resource for uh, music classrooms because I taught for a while at a uh, classically based elementary school. And... I was uh, giving 45 minute lectures in the classroom on each of the composers and their music and playing examples. And I saw that these kids were like sponges. They absolutely loved finding out about the music and they were very excited about it. They needed to do a book report on uh, a composer and I noticed that uh, the list of composers were all male. So I decided to do an experiment and I added 15 female composers to the list. And I saw that there were several young girls who chose the female composers to do their speeches and their book report on and how inspired they were to have a role model that they could look up to and that was one of the major reasons why i wrote 50 famous composers for kids of all ages and in addition I also uh, would talk about many of the composers and the pieces that we were performing with the Four Seasons Orchestra and the Four Seasons String Quartet. I would give little sound bites to the audience to tell them something unusual about that particular piece. And maybe we were performing the fireworks music by uh, George Frederick Handel. And I'd say that there was a traffic jam three hours long in London when um, Handel was conducting the rehearsal in a park, and it was all horses and carriages at that point. And uh, at the actual royal performance of the fireworks music, Some of the fireworks went crazy and the stage caught on fire and the musicians had to run for their lives.
1: I've actually never heard that story.
0: Well, the other musicians, the professionals that I had hired to play the concerts, they said, wow, we've
1: never heard that story before. You should write it down. And this past year, your book was a finalist in the categories of performing arts and history. Do you think your book gained recognition because it highlights more female composers or just has a different point of view in that approach to famous composers?
0: Yes, I I wanted to help young people and adult audiences to uh, see the humanity of these great composers. And most people know about Beethoven's music and they know he's deaf, but... They might not know how much he suffered for uh, his art, and some of the uh, things that happened in his life were pretty amazing. And I talk about a lot of uh, how they grew up, what inspired them to become great artists, and what inspired them to take the beautiful music they were hearing in their head and put it down on paper.
1: Nowadays, we hear a lot more about Clara Schumann, Fanny Mendelssohn, Cecil Chaminade. Were there any other female composers you were excited to bring to light that most of us haven't heard of?
0: Um, most people don't know about the um, French composer Louise Ferranc. She composed a lot of symphonies and, uh, overtures and major, uh, chamber music works. Uh, and then there's also, um, Emily Meyer, who was a German composer, 19th century. Uh, she's like a female Beethoven, wrote symphonies, piano quintets, uh, quartets, um,
1: and other notable musicians are Joseph Bologna, Chevalier de Saint George. I was wondering, since you've experienced, you have experience with Tai Chi, if if his experience with fencing and sword fighting maybe had something to do with how great of a conductor and violinist he became.
0: You're right, Melissa. I think that Bologna learned a lot of amazing moves as a swordsman. And he brought that to the bow and to the baton. And after uh, Bologna took over uh, the concerts uh, spiritual and the um, orchestra of the amateurs, it became the greatest orchestra in all of Paris so it's that type of discipline and training that he had that he brought to the orchestra in paris and uh became famous
1: yeah he's from mozart's era and if you like mozart you'll find his music you'll probably like his music just as much bologna wrote some great operas as well
0: there's a doctorate a doctoral dissertation that was written recently about Joseph Bologna by uh, Dr. Isola Jones. She's here in the Valley. She's a former Metropolitan opera singer. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, we can get the funding to uh, perform some of Joseph Bologna's music with the Four Seasons Orchestra and have Isola Jones come and sing some of Uh, Bologna's beautiful operatic arias and we'll do his symphonies and his violin concertos as well
1: and you actually have a few upcoming shows this month can you tell our audience about what they have to look forward to
0: uh, we're going to be performing again for uh, the Mayo Clinic Atrium Concert Series. Uh, we've performed for them uh, in the past, and we have a um, four-season string quartet concert August 23rd and August 24th at noon. It's a four-season string quartet performing uh, our beautiful Broadway and ballads concert. It's free to the public. It's part of their uh, cultural medical arts program.
1: Yeah, that idea of music as medicine and bringing it to a setting where you wouldn't really expect to be to be able to enjoy live music.
0: Um, I know the patients really appreciate it, and it's free to the public, and it's a a very generous thing that the uh, Mayo Hospital is doing.
1: And are you trying to bring some of these female composers in your book to the Four Seasons Orchestra? Uh, In radio, listeners often want to hear more recordings of female composers and people of color, but a lot of times the issue is those recordings just aren't there so how are you approaching that issue
0: uh we want to give a ukrainian benefit concert with dr alexander birch as our solo violinist she wants to perform a violin concerto by a Ukrainian composer and also uh, Tchaikovsky's violin concerto with Four Seasons Orchestra. She's soloed with us several times and is just amazing. Uh, she was concertmaster at one time with Scottsdale Philharmonic and uh, did the Brahms concerto. So uh, she's uh, performed all over the world as a solo violinist. If we can get the uh, backing and the, the funding, we'd love to do the Ukrainian benefit in May of 2023 for the their special um, Oh Patriots Day, just in solidarity for the Ukrainians and their cause.
1: That would be really wonderful. Um, I would also like our audience to be informed about where they can find your new book.
0: The 50 Famous Composers for Kids of All Ages is on Amazon. It's at Barnes & Noble's. It's at classicsunlimitedmusic.com and many, many independent uh, bookstores. It's at the publisher's website. That's uh, Inkwell Books Incorporated.
1: And where can our listeners find any other information about your upcoming performances and the 2022-23 season?
0: FourSeasonsOrchestra.org or on the uh, Four Seasons Orchestra Facebook page. And I wanted to mention that uh, 50 Famous Composers also won the uh, Mom's Choice Gold Award for
1: 2021. Oh, cool. How, how did that come about?
0: I submitted the book to the Mom's Choice Awards, and they have a team of judges who uh, read the book and uh, review it and, and uh, decide which books um, and which products are, are best for children. And like I said, this is a resource book. It's great for music teachers, great for grand parents and parents who want their children to get educated about the classical composers. And it's not a book that would be for a really young child. It's more designed for your um, late elementary, middle, middle school and high school student, and also for music lovers.
1: And I'm sure it stuck out that you've covered so many female composers in this book that we don't talk about, because really, we've only just begun scratching the surface. Uh,
0: When I was working on my doctoral dissertation about Louise Lincoln Kerr, who's an Arizona composer, she uh, helped to found the Phoenix Symphony. Um, I read in a, a book by Aaron Cohen that there were almost 3,000 women composers, both historic and living. But that was 1981 when he published that book. Now, they estimate there's over 6,000 women composers, both historic and living, from 70 different countries.
1: Well, that's exciting to hear. I'm hoping that through these books and concert opportunities, even since you mentioned the six degrees of separation, that there's a lot of great music for us to be discovered. What other things can you tell our audience about that you're looking forward to for uh, this next season or educational opportunities?
0: Well, I really appreciate what the Heart of the Arts is doing for the local Uh, orchestras. We go into the public schools. We perform for the children. And I've performed uh, Peter and the Wolf numerous times and The Little Engine That Could for elementary school and middle school students. The children are the future of classical music.
1: Well, thank you so much for coming onto our podcast today. You are certainly at the heart of the arts, and I look forward to checking out your brand new book, 50 Famous Composers for Kids of All Ages. I hope to be seeing some of this music in person real soon. Thank you so much for having me come and speak, Melissa. It's my pleasure. Once again, that's local violist, conductor, and published author, Dr. Carolyn Brough, who also sits as the principal violist with the Scottsdale Philharmonic. For more information about Dr. Bro and upcoming performances, head to FourSeasonsOrchestra.org. For KBOX Heart of the Arts, I'm Melissa Green.